When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, one thing we do know about Michigan State football this year is that there's a lot we don't know. With the departures of notable players like Peyton Thorne, Keon Coleman, and Xavier Henderson, Spartan fans will need to get used to seeing some new faces on the field this fall. But who is primed to pop? Brandon Champion and Matt Wenzel with you on Friday, June 16th, 2023. Breakout candidates for the upcoming season on episode 112 of Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. The Big Ten schedule has also been set for 24 and 25, so we'll give some thoughts on that. But first, how about some good old-fashioned good news? Matt, I've done my fair share of complaining about the current state of college sports, but recently we saw an example of the positives that can come from someone having a platform in the form of Michigan State's Madi Sissoko, uh, senior center on the basketball team. You recently had the chance to talk to him this week, and you've got a story up on MLive.com now, but uh, fill us in because this is pretty cool here. Yeah, so uh, Madi, I mean, for those who don't know his story, Madi is from a small farming village in Mali, which is a West African nation, Um, the youngest of 10 children. You know, I won't give you the whole story, but he moved to the States in 2015, just a few months after picking up a basketball. Uh, Went to school at Wasatch Academy in in Utah, and now he ends up at Michigan State. And it's just he's just such a unique individual and such a positive person, it seems like. Um, but to get to the point, <laughs> um, everybody knows about, uh, NIL, uh, and the ability for athletes to now profit off their name, image, and likeness, uh, because Madi is on a student visa, he is not allowed to do so. Uh, so he formed a, a charitable foundation, the Madi Sissoko foundation. It's a 501 C three. And he's just asked for donations to, to help build a school, um, back home and with the goal of, uh, $50,000. And, and we talked to Madi yesterday. The idea came to do something for my village, and uh, it was uh, doing the school and the uh, well, running waters and the clinics. So that's the that's the best thing we can do for them right now. Um, so it was a, it went well. Uh, people were so happy about it. Uh, we did it in six months. And he he said that you know although he didn't give out the total number that has been raised and it continues to be raised, he said they they surpassed the $50,000 goal. So he went back home uh, in May and opened the school, um, the Madi Sissoko Foundation School at Tangafoya. I'm sure I just butchered that pronunciation pretty bad. Uh, but I mean, this is a really remarkable story. You know, he's got, when, when Madi was growing up in his village, you know, he said he, you know, the closest school was a 90 minute walk away each way. Sometimes we do the bicycle, but the road is so bad, they always break. So most of the time you just have to walk hour and a half to go to school. And then I went through it and that's, that's actually very inspiring me to, to give them uh, a school in my village right there. Um, and now this school would be like a five minute uh, walk from where he was. So his father donated the land it was built on. Um, there's four classrooms. Each houses about 60 to 70 students. 
um, so popular that they had to turn some kids away uh, when he was there because they just didn't have enough desks. So, you know, hundreds of kids are going to benefit from this. Um, the money also went to uh, building a well, so there's fresh drinking water in the village, um, which you know, I don't think I need to <laughs> just go into depth on the importance of that. I mean, just all around a really, uh, you know, great thing Mahdi did, and he's, you know, continuing to do. Um, but he did it with, you know, as the front man with help from the Michigan State community. Um, he has uh, just a lot of appreciation. He's very grateful for for people that have donated. And, you know, and, and it, it shows the generosity of people, you know, touching those who, you know, you know, people you're never going to meet, but um, just trying to better their lives. Yeah. I mean, this is great, man. This this is what it's all about right here. I mean, this is somebody using a platform and giving back and not forgetting where they came from. I mean, this is what it's all about. Mati Sissoko, you know, he he's undergone his fair share of criticism, I would say, since he stepped foot on Michigan State's campus, at least on the court from the fan base. You know, he came in as a pretty highly ranked four-star, top 40 kid. Um, and it became pretty apparent early on that he was pretty raw and there was going to be a culture adjustment for him, you know, whether it was on the basketball court or off the basketball court. Um, you know, language, I think you mentioned is like his fourth language. So there's obviously a language barrier there. Um, and he's still trying to learn a game that he's only been playing for a very short period of time. You know, we saw him take a huge step this year as he stepped into the starting role as a center, you know, five points a game, six rebounds per game. But particularly at the end of the season, he really started to get some of that energy that we saw early on in the season where he's bringing that 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 aggressive uh, defensive stopper rebounding attitude to the team. So on the court, he really developed a lot, but he's probably done even more development off the court um, to mature into this spot where he's able to help mobilize and make a tangible difference in his village. I mean, it's just, you think about that a hundred kids are going to have a school that they otherwise wouldn't have. A well is going to be in this village that otherwise wouldn't have been there. I mean, that the well part of this is that that could go on in, 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 you know, help thousands because it, it's just going to be there. And to see Mahdi use his platform at Michigan State that he's developed for himself and use it for such good, uh, I'm just so proud of the kid. I mean, I'll just say it. it it's really impressive. Um, you know, we cover the, you cover the team. We, we try and stay, you know, neutral, but you can call this out for what it is. This is a heroic thing that he's done. Um, and I really love it. And I hope those people, particularly Illinois fans, those, those idiots that were saying all the bad things about him after that, Kofi Coburn incident a couple years ago. I hope they read the story and they feel like jerks because uh, the way they were characterizing him online and some people were characterizing Mati Sissoko could not be further from the truth. He's just, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's just a good guy. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know him that personally, you know, I interviewed him a number of times, but you know, he's just for all the turmoil in college athletics, you know, this is a great example of somebody who, um, it's just doing something positive and he wasn't seeking the attention. Um, it, it, this has been framed by numerous outlets the same. Mahdi used his NIL money. This is not that. I mean, he just founded a charity um, because he couldn't prop it off his own name, image, and likeness. But very positive thing that's, um, you know, the impact will last for years, you know. And he, he joked that, you know, he doesn't like talking about himself, but uh, when, when he was back home, uh, he was basically more popular than the mayor who was there. So he's got a, he's got a very strong following. Um, even if basketball is still um, doesn't really translate uh, there in his village, you know, soccer's the sport. They're not very, very, very familiar with the basketball things. And if, uh, they're kind of asking the question, like how that work. We, we actually 
did a basketball hoop there too. That's their first time actually shooting basket there. They built a basketball hoop outside the school. Madi said he was shooting on it and some kid comes up and asks, hey, you know, can I shoot? And he says, sure. And the kid takes the ball with both hands and just throws basically as high in the air as he can. And so there's a, you know, Madi's got some coaching to do when he goes home. Uh, but uh, and this was his second trip uh, back home since arriving at Michigan State in 2020. So very important. He misses his mom's cooking. Uh, rice with peanut sauce, he said, is, uh, you know, very delicious. And uh, just a great, just a great positive story for for Madi and, and one that he continues to push. You know, he wants to continue uh, helping kids. I mean, that's what it's all about. He wants to give back and, and will continue to do so. This uh, this is uh, this is my mission. Like coming here, like I feel like I'm the only one has this kind of chance to come here. But for me to to do this back home over there, it's gonna be my mission. Every single every every little important that I get, I will get back because uh, you know I have a family there still. I had the people, I had a friend there, and they still, you know, they all wish they have this kind of opportunity. They also uh, motivate me to do the thing I do here. And uh, for, for that, I always uh, be appreciated and give back. Uh, Tom Izzo pushed for every Michigan State fan and alum to just donate a dollar. And uh, it, it's just a great story. Monty Sissoko, regardless of what he does on the floor, he's still very raw. Obviously, he's not perfect. I think he could be primed for a pretty big year this year. But I just want fans, you know, opposing fans, whatever, but – Michigan State fans, the next time you try and criticize Madi because he does something uh, bad, just think about this because this is a bigger impact than anything he's going to do on the court. So uh, it's just good to have guys like this in your corner, on your team, in your locker room um, because it's just a positive presence and uh, cool. And uh, yeah, just a good offseason story. So I'm glad we got you that. So moving on to more on the field stuff, we're going to get to some breakout players here in a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm just going to throw some names out there, see what Matt thinks of them. He might have a few he wants to shout out to. But we did get some other, uh, I guess, news over uh, since the last time we recorded. The Big Ten coming out, announcing the schedules for 2024 and 2025. Uh, and I guess more important, sort of announcing the format that is going to be used to determine the schedules. Kind of weird how they did this, Matt, where different teams have different amounts of protected rivals. Michigan State and Michigan, your only protected rivalry, so that kind of stuck out to me. But meanwhile, you got other teams like Iowa that have three protected rivals. So the schedule is going to be kind of wonky there from year to year. Obviously, USC and UCLA are joining the party. I mean, I guess the first thing that jumped out to me was that Penn State is not going to be a protected rivalry. I kind of thought there was a chance uh, that it would be that Michigan State would get stuck with them and Michigan year to year. I figured it would be them or Indiana. And we, we are see them sort of respecting the both the old brass platoon and the land grant trophy by putting them back to back years to start. So there is some uh, respect for that there. But I don't know, man. I've always pushed back against the the pushback against the Penn State Michigan State rivalry. I know it's kind of manufactured, but they've played good games through the years. They've both been competitors from year to year, and the Land Grant Trophy is just deliciously disgusting. I know that you feel otherwise and you want to rip on it, but uh, respect the Land Grant Trophy, Matt. So I'm a little upset to see that that's not going to be happening every year. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I won't get into the aesthetics of the Land Grant Trophy uh, that weighs sixty. What is it, sixty-two <laughs> oh, or seventy-two pounds? I can't remember. I have to look it up but um somebody actually foia for the weight of the land grant trophy a few years back as yep. a 
just a little interesting side note, which is doing God's work, baby. Hilarious. <laughs> but um, I mean, I guess the first takeaway is just the overall format. I mean, it, it went basically how it was expected to. You go, you add USC and UCLA starting in 2024, you get to 16 teams. And what are you going to do? So they killed the divisions. East and West are dead. Uh, long rest in peace next to legends and leaders. And it's, that was expected to go divisionless. And they're staying at nine conference games. Um, SEC, be damned. Uh, it's, I, I don't know what would be the ideal way to do it. Everybody wants, you know, you, you want to play these rivalry games every year for these bizarre trophies that go back, you know, forever. But you also just pulled in $7 billion and you're going to have to make sacrifices like playing Penn State at Ford Field on a Friday night. The networks run the show. That's there's no secret to that. So you go divisionless and, and you're gonna and you go to 16, they're gonna, you know, be some changes. I didn't, I was not surprised at really at all by the outcome for Michigan State. I mean, you keep Michigan, which you know, as we've discussed, that's it, it might not be a bad thing for that to probably, you know, if that uh, game came off the schedule for a couple of years, so people could. I'm not on board with that take, for the record. Yeah, well, I'm just saying it's well, it's never going to happen. You know? <laughs> you know, there's too much money involved, and in, in, you know, it just it won't happen. But you know, tempers could be uh, cooled a little bit. But either way, you knew that game was going to stay. And then Penn State, you thought was number two, Indiana three, and, but you know they're not protected rivals, but they'll still be playing them which I think is fine. You know, you talk about, you mentioned Iowa has three protected rivals. Penn State has zero. <laughs> what is that? I mean, what does, even Maryland and Rutgers have each other. Thank God. It's So I, I think it's fine. You know, and this is, you know, this is only a couple of years. They could blow this thing up in, in a week. Add Washington and, and Oregon and, oh, all right, now we're going to have a new schedule. So all this is in, you know, flux, but I don't have a problem with it. Um Michigan State, I thought their, their their schedule sets up just you know fine. I, it's okay. It's 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 hard to project. Like you know, you I saw some people. You know, you're breaking down you know records for teams in 2025. I mean, what <laughs> beyond Ohio State, you know, and Michigan, pretty like what good does that do? I mean, Michigan State would goes from two and five to eleven and two to five and seven. It, things change quickly, especially now in the in the portal era. So. I think the, the schedule's fine. They don't get USC or UCLA the first year, um, but they get them both year two. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Uh, it's, you go to, let me remember this right, they go to USC and host UCLA, right, in 25? Yes. Yeah. So yes. that's cool. I mean, that's, it, it's something different. You know, it will continue to evolve the way it's set up. You know, every team will play every other in, you know, four-year span. So that's, that's different. Um, and, you know, that'll give a chance to, for every player, if, if you do stay at your school for four years, you know, you can see every, everywhere in the Big Ten. That's, you know, that's I think that's a positive. Who knows what, what the Big Ten will look like a, a week, a year from now. Yeah. Didn't we get three different schedules in the COVID year? So, like, who knows? Oh, these, yeah. <laughs> these yeah. things are these things are constant. But we don't even know what Michigan State's going to look like this year, let alone in 2025. So uh, we yep. just need to chill out on that. Uh, yeah, I'm a little sad they're missing out on USC and UCLA year one because – you know, it's fun getting new guys in there and, and it'll be fun to see. But uh, so Michigan State gets to sit out on that in year one. Do, do you think Michigan State is to me? Michigan State is one of the programs in the Big Ten that has the most to gain from divisions going away. You know, they're a good program. They 
they have been stuck in this division with three of arguably the top 10 programs in America. Um, you know, they're still going to play them all next year, but to me, Michigan state being, you know, a, a, a decent tier big 10 program and getting out of the division with those three, I feel like that can only help going forward, but who knows? Everybody knows the deal with the East division. I mean, that's, that's tough. And you got Ohio state's always there and they're, you know, just Michigan state has not had any success against them recently. If you remove the guarantee that you're going to play Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State every single year, then yeah, the the schedule is going to be a little easier. Yeah, it's the brave new world of college football. I mean, it is it's weird, it's awkward seeing USC and UCLA on a Big Ten football graphic and thinking that Rutgers versus UCLA is a conference Big Ten game. I mean, it's just going to be bizarre and it's going to take some getting used to. This is a new era we're in, Matt, and it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Um, And it's going to be tough to win the Big Ten Conference. Let's talk about some players here, Matt. I mean, it's been a while since we've actually looked at the roster. As I mentioned off the top, there's a lot of, I guess, guys that are going to have to step into new roles or some younger guys that are, you know, becoming more experienced in the system that are going to have to step into roles. I mentioned the key players they lost off the jump. So I think there's several players at several positions that could potentially take a leap or become more household names or become sort of the core for this program moving forward. I don't know if these all are going to be accurate. I don't know if they're all actually going to happen. Uh, it's kind of yeah, educated speculation, I guess. So I'm just going to throw some names at you and you can tell me what you think of them. All right. Yeah. Well, this is June. So it's all speculation at this point, which is basically what all of spring practice is that we write about a hundred, hundred and some stories. And, and it's all speculation basically. So yeah, this fits fine. Well, the first guy I wanted to talk about is a guy who looks like he's going to start at safety. A guy whose tape popped for me from the second he committed to Michigan state is a guy from Buford high school in Georgia. Obviously a huge powerhouse program down there. Mel Tucker knows Georgia just as good as any coach in America. Uh, and that's Malik Spencer, kind of hard-hitting safety. Uh, he got a little bit of run last year, but not afraid to step up in the run game. And it looks like he's he probably has a little bit of improvement to go in coverage, but he looks like a guy who uh, has the tenacity and the fearlessness to play in the Big Ten right now. Yeah, we we know what happened last year with uh, you know Xavier getting hurt and you know Kendall Brooks steps in and and they you know they ended up really thin um, and that forced freshmen to play. So Malik uh, Spencer played the last five games of the season, pretty limited. You know he only played uh, fifty six snaps of defense. So we we you see some glimpses, but but really we haven't got a full look at him. But the coaching staff has, and they obviously like what they see because spring practice. He was working as a starting safety and alongside Jaden Mangum. So the potential's there, and he's got an opportunity to step up. But, yeah, the staff likes him. He's confident. Um, we talked to him late in the spring, and he was a pretty good interview. And, yeah, he, he's going to have an opportunity. And Michigan State, I mean, we know their past defense has been, would atrocious be the <laughs> not strong enough word? Uh, last in the nation in yards allowed per game in 2021. Last in the nation in interceptions last year with only two somehow, <laughs> which is hard to fathom. Uh, which I look back, that's the fewest in a season in program records dating back, which go back, I think, to 47 or something like that. So now you're, you have a secondary that's been really struggling and you're, just got significantly younger. So I don't know how that's going to look, but you also have a new corners coach, Jim Salgado. And, you know, we know Mel's background. Everybody knows who Harlan Barnett is. And it's going to be interesting, but 
it's gonna it's gonna be younger, but Mel Mel likes what you know the talent they've got back there, and we'll see how that shakes out in the fall. Well, it's like you've had veteran guys, but you've been terrible. So <laughs> maybe having some younger guys and getting some new blood in there, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. Well, media days, uh, Big Ten media days last July, Mel said joke that said it can't get any worse because we finished dead ass last, <laughs> but <laughs> it kind of did get worse. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. Where, you know, I guess the only way to go is up, but uh, you know, you got to see it before uh, you believe it, type of thing. Malik Spencer, you know, just a three star, but offers you know from USC, Nebraska, Michigan, Miami, so uh, Auburn. So I mean, he had an impressive offer list. So I, I can see why he's going to be potentially a big contributor this year. And you could say similar things about Jaden Manga, but we, we've talked about him before. So uh, we'll stick in the secondary for now. Um, it seems like Dylan Tatum is going to have a role somewhere, whether it's corner, whether it's nickel. Uh, I know he's been all over the place in that uh, secondary. I think he's sticking at corner now, but he came in as an athlete, uh, you know, Michigan kid from West Bloomfield, highly regarded four star. I saw some action last year because he had to be, uh, again, the young secondary, a lot of the things you just said about Spencer, but it seems like he's going to be involved as well. He's a, you know, interesting guy. He was a, he was a pretty good running back actually um, coming out of high school, four-star in-state kid. And he, he, I believe when they brought him in at first, they said, yeah, you know, they saw him at nickel and he spent, you know, his true freshman season, basically at every, just about every secondary position, uh, even went nickel to strong safety, free safety, and then cornerback to close the year. Um, Michigan State was so shorthanded at the very end of that, that Penn State game um, that you know he got his first start at corner, and you know there you know a few bumps here and there, but you know some look okay in coverage at times. But you know this is uh, what do you expect from a, a true freshman who just gets thrown in there at, and, and keeps changing positions? So that's a tough one, but yeah, he he has settled in a corner. Well, at least the spring. So who knows what tomorrow will hold? But he he feels like he's more confident in, in you know just changing positions. You know, at safety you kind of control. You know, you, with your communication, you're kind of controlling what's in front of you. At corner, you're you're more on your own. So um, he's still kind of adjusting that. But um, I you know promising young young talent. Sticking on the defense, you know. I- Michigan State's pretty deep at linebacker. It's, you know, they have a lot of older guys that are going to be there. Cal Halliday is obviously going to be entrenched there this year. Uh, Darius Snow, we'll, we'll check on his health. We're not sure if he's going to be ready to go, but he's obviously moved to linebacker, which I guess makes this suggestion maybe a little bit of a long shot. But our guy, Ma, Ma Nauteote, I mostly I just wanted to put him on here so we can say his name. But, uh, you know, entered the transfer portal, came back. Uh, he he was on the field early, um, you know, a Played in 11 games last year, so they wanted to get him on the field. I uh, have him for eight tackles, but, you know, linebacker is deep at Michigan State, but this is a kid who seems like he has some talent, and he came back for a reason, I guess. Maybe the offers out there weren't what he wanted, but he's always seemed like a guy who Michigan State has wanted to get on the field. Yeah, uh, he, he was the big, what the highest-ranked recruit in Mel's first class. The talent, there's talent there, obviously. You know, he played at some premier high school programs. Talented guy, but I just I could easily be wrong. I just don't see it being his time on defense this year. Uh, you have with Cal coming back, with Jacoby Winman and Aaron Brule coming back. It's just it's hard, you know. That's that's if, if you're primarily using two linebackers, you know, they you know, they use three at times last year against some run heavy teams, and and you know, you'll bring in 
Jacoby or Aaron as, you know, edge rushers, because that's, you know, kind of a skill set. But it just seems like a tough spot for, for to earn playing time because there's limited snaps and you have, you know, you know, Jacoby and Aaron back for the user last year, season eligibility. Cal led the team and led the Big Ten in tackles per game last year and obviously has the experience. So, but, you know, they Ben Van Sumeren's gone. So there are some snaps open and, and we'll see if Ma gets some of those. And you also got a Jordan Hall in the mix, too, as a true freshman early enrollee who very much he has future team captain stamped pretty much right on his forehead for the way he, he handles himself. And again, just a true freshman who's learning, but uh, somebody the coaches uh, think very highly of. For sure. He seems like an impressive kid. It's linebacker position looks pretty strong for Michigan state. The front seven, I think looks pretty strong overall. So uh, snaps could go around a lot of different ways there, but let's flip to the offensive side of the ball, Matt. Uh, looking at the pass catchers, I think, there's a few guys we can point out here. Uh, so I'll get to the receivers in a second, but I just wanted to shout out Malik Carr. You know, Michigan State put out a video of him yesterday. Um, you know, we saw obviously the big explosive run against Wisconsin. We saw him make the nice catch with one hand against Penn State. He's been a guy who's been involved in the offense, 209 yards and two touchdowns. But Daniel Barker was obviously on the team. Michigan State brought in every transfer tight end in the portal this year, but pretty much all of them are blockers, it seems like. So to me, it seems like this sets up for Malik Carr, the departures at wide receiver, uh, new quarterback. It seems like, you know, you put things together, you know, he should be leaned on to be a playmaker once again and potentially see even more volume than he has in past years. Yeah, you know, Malik, uh, you know, he was a wide receiver in his one season at Purdue before transferring to Michigan State and switching positions. So there was that adjustment that growth you can see the talent the athleticism he's you know he was walked onto the basketball team with Keon after his freshman year so very talented kid and just we've just seen the just kind of the flashes like you mentioned you know there's just here and there you, you see this little bit you know he doesn't you're just waiting to see him kind of put it all together obviously going from receiver to tight end is an adjustment learning how to block and and that can be a very it can be a big challenge uh putting your hand in the dirt and, and getting into somebody but he, he's shown some improvement, obviously, and some growth. And, you know, with Daniel Barker being gone, Tyler Hunt being gone, this seems like it's it's Malik's opportunity to step up. I would see it. I just guess that among among the 47 tight end transfer additions they had uh, this offseason, I would put Hopper from Boise State as kind of a lead guy. And he's a you know quality blocker, too. So I would say those two are the tops of the position. Then you have some young guys that, you know, we haven't seen yet, but um, they're there. Fighting for fighting for snaps. And I don't know what it says about those guys' development when they're bringing in all these other tight ends, but uh, maybe they just feel like they're not ready. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, pass catchers. I mean, I think there's any of like three or four receivers we could put on here as a potential breakout. You know, whether it's Kristen Fitzpatrick or any of the young guys. You know, Antonio Gates Jr., Jerron Glover. I put Tyrell Henry as the guy I kind of wanted to focus on here since he's already been on the field. Uh, you know, he, he was playing on special teams. It looks like he's going to do that again this year. And it looks like he, he should ever, you know, from talking to you and, and reading other stuff and just seeing the coaches talking about him. And the re I know you guys talked to him recently. And it just seems like he's going to have an opportunity to uh, fill in that wide receiver because he's kind of versatile. He's a big play threat, kind of a gadget guy that he could use in different ways if they wanted to. Um, and, you know, outside of Trey Mosley and, and uh, Montori Foster, who have been especially Mosley, you know, steady, solid receivers, Foster struggled with some injuries. There's, there's really a lot of room for receiver reps here. 
Henry just seems like the one to me who's most well positioned to get on the field since he was already doing so on special teams. But there's any of three, four guys that we could have put here. Yeah, we asked uh, Ryzen Mel about that when we saw him in uh, Detroit for that camp uh, two weeks ago, I believe, and asked him, you know, <laughs> you know, you lose Jaden, you lose Keon, and uh, where are you at? And he described it as, uh, I think he just said, young, young and talented, really good players, is what Mel said. So yeah, you laid it out. I mean, Mosley's the guy coming back, you know, he's by far the most experienced. The only thing with him, and he's been, he's been really solid. He's been good. The, the difference will be going from basically the number three guy to the number one guy. That's a big adjustment. And at least that's how it projects right now. Who knows what, what the development has been behind the scenes for some of these guys, but that would be my guess. And, you know, you lose, you know, he was playing with NFL receivers, Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed the last two years. And now you do know, spotlight will be more on him. And, we asked him about the spring, but obviously before Keon's departure, and he said he was comfortable with it and planning on having a dominant season. So he's the guy you got to look for. You mentioned uh, Montori. He 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 stepped up in 21 when Naylor was hurt, and you know he had that big like flea flicker catch. Remember, I can't was that Maryland game or whatever that was. But um, last year he had had a Liz Frank injury, so playing with screws in your foot is not very comfortable thing to do. So. He was limited last year. He's back feeling healthy, and you look for him. Uh, Christian Fitzpatrick, big guy, 6'4". He's, he's somebody that, you know, you, you think can take the next step, transfer from Louisville, but he's been limited, also dealt with injury last year, had a sports hernia. So, yeah, you get beyond those guys, and it's it's the guys who were true freshmen last year. Dyrell Henry, Jerron Glover, Torio Gates Jr. It's hard to say. Pick which one of them. It'll, that'll be interesting, but uh, a lot younger uh, group of receivers than than they had a year ago obviously somebody's gonna emerge <laughs> we just we're just not quite sure who it is but just some ga- names to keep in mind obviously uh, we we only know as much as we know so uh it's kind of speculation it's summer i guess what that's that what summer's for but that's gonna do it for today's episode of m live spartan confidential podcast thanks for bearing with us as we take a little time off here in the summer obviously not as much news happening this time of year but uh we're we're staying on top of all of it and it was good to get back on the on the mic here today uh so that'll do it so for matt wenzel i'm brandon champion thank you once again for listening to m live spartan confidential podcast we'll talk to you next time and go green